welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. My guest this time is Abby Langer. Abby has been a registered dietitian since 1999. She's worked extensively in both clinical nutrition and nutrition media and consulting and has won awards for her teaching and has served for three years on her regulatory colleges council. Abby is passionate about all aspects of nutrition from physiology to teaching to cooking. Her approach to nutrition is permissive and relaxed and she's a true believer in living your best life without dieting. She's written in depth about debunking fad diets and nutrition myths, excuse me, um, and I'm hoping she's going to talk to us about a few of those today. Welcome to the podcast, Abby. Thank you. It's great to be here. One of my particular bugbears, I guess, is that we spend a lot of time now on social media and we're served up an awful lot of, in inverted commas, expert advice, particularly right. around nutrition and particularly around sort of menopause and, and, and midlife. And I think for many people, it can be quite tricky sometimes to sort of tease apart fact from fad from people who maybe are, are kind of giving out advice that they're perhaps not qualified to to give quite apart from you know basically going and doing doing our own due diligence and and kind of not necessarily believing everything that is served up to us on Instagram what are your sort of top tips really for for kind of cutting through some of that noise on social media and making sure that the you know the advice that we're taking is is the right advice. Yeah, so I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, it goes without saying that anybody who's promising anything that doesn't seem legitimate, like lose X number of pounds in X um, time, or anyone who has a huge store that's selling you know cleanses and and supplements or anyone who's saying that you cannot be healthy or even implying that you can't be healthy without, you know, fasting or um, without certain supplements. These people are all to be to are suspect, if you will, even if they're doctors, there are plenty of medical doctors who are very well known and who have books on the market. People just take what they say without question. And these doctors, not all of them, but mm. a lot of them, especially in the wellness space, are not being truthful with the way our bodies work. They're targeting women in midlife with diets, restrictive diets. You know, they're spreading misinformation and fear. It's there's so much junk out there. And I, I mean, I feel bad for the average person who can't doesn't know how to read nutrition research, who doesn't mm. know how to discern between you know, truth and myth, because it's like drinking from a fire hose. All of this information is coming at us all <laughs> yeah. the time. Overwhelming, it really, and, and quite often conflicting things as well, depending yeah, on absolutely. who you follow. You're you're particularly good. I really, really like the, you know, the sort of the work that you do on, on Instagram to sort of debunk some of these things. But are there other really, really good accounts on there that you always uh, can direct people to that are kind of totally trustworthy on this stuff? And, uh, you know, we know we're going to get yeah proper information and advice from. You know, um, the I love Ben Carpenter. I love his, him and his He's wife, Zoe Lee. I love them so much. Um, Dr. Jen Gunter is amazing. Amanda Thebe is amazing. Um, those people are really, they, they take the evidence and they disseminate information in a way that's not only truthful, but that's easy to understand. And I think mm -hmm. that's so 
important because what I see a lot of um, in the wellness space with these people who call themselves experts but are not is that they take a kernel of truth mm. and they wrap it up in a bunch of They'll cherry pick the information that right. suits their and argument. Don't do it. And they break stuff down so that you actually know what they're saying is correct. Right. So they take, the, they're very transparent is what I'm trying to say here. Hmm. Um, I mean, you mentioned um, intermittent fasting, I think, or fasting as one of the things. And I think that's, uh, it, it, it's quite tempting to go for that one, I think, because of its simplicity. Right. But but what's your what's your take on that? What's your advice around um, somebody who's thinking about that as a sort of route towards, say, weight loss, for example? So intermittent fasting has never been proven to be better than continuous caloric restriction, otherwise known as like just a diet or eating less. Mm. Um, the way intermittent fasting works is because you have a small eating window it's a way to cut calories. It's a, it's just one more tool in your calorie cutting toolbox. I personally never recommend it to people because I don't feel ethically okay with that. However, it does quote unquote work for weight loss. Absolutely. In some people other, and, and I'm talking about not fasting for more than say 16 hours like so an 8 and 16 configuration eight hour eating window Mm -hmm. 16 hour fast I'm not talking about four hour eating windows I'm not talking about fasting for three days I'm not talking about any of that that I think is absolutely not necessary and can be harmful for a lot of people I would not uh, recommend or even I would recommend that you don't even go near fast don't even look at it if you've had a history of an eating disorder Mm -hmm. if you uh or have disordered eating or obsessive compulsive disorder or any of that it can be so dangerous and there's just no need for it as far as fasting goes as well like I see a lot of claims about it like detoxing our bodies and about autophagy and how it helps us age properly or like you know can like age in reverse quote unquote that's never been proven in humans we are not lab animals and so and that's what all the studies are on uh so i wouldn't pay any mind to those sorts of claims and you've mentioned disordered eating and i think that's you know we do see a kind of an uptick of that in people in this age range that is in part presumably driven by just that sort of number of of things like this that are that are pushed towards people potentially plus the combination of yeah people really really struggling to to kind of control their weight gain in, in yeah, life I mean, menopause as women we're taught that you know being young and being slim is beautiful And again, as women, we're taught that once our menstrual cycle ends and we become like, quote unquote, old, we're dispensable, we're invisible. And, and I think women have really internalized those values, Mm. which is why and of course, it's such a confusing time as well. I mean, I looked in the mirror one day and I, I, my waist was gone. 
Like, <laughs> I, and I was like, what the heck just happened? And it happens fast. Like, I found that it happened fast with me. I mean, I've been in menopause for two years. Um, but and my body continues to change. But it's a mourning period for your old body. And, and I think that's okay. But like our cultures, cultures belief that women have to be fresh and young and slim and never age. And that women are desperate, the fact that women are desperate to reach that is the perfect storm for diet companies to sell their garbage to us. Because mm. obviously we're broken, right? Like quote unquote, and we need to be fixed. Yeah. And I think the temptation, again, you know, even if they're not necessarily doing sort of intermittent fasting or something like that is that sort of calorie restriction but in a way that doesn't really serve us very well for midlife because we yeah. need to be kind of adding in stuff not not kind of taking away and, and actually a lot of yeah. the time not Absolutely. having that that kind of enough energy and enough protein is actually going to contribute to some of our issues. Yes, absolutely. And I have reviewed a lot of these diets on my site abbylangernutrition.com. And the thing that's in that all of them have in common is that they're just low calorie diets that mm. are low carb. But there's no magic to any of that. It's again like just cutting calories. And you know, women are so vulnerable to it. It just makes me so angry because these people are making money off the backs of women's desperation. Yeah, you mentioned carbs, which um, yeah. sort of certain proportion of the internet seems to want to demonize completely. Yeah, for, for, <laughs> for a while, yeah. But I love my carbs. I never recommend going super low carb. You know, I do think that women in midlife in particular do well on a moderate carb diet and carbs are also very easy to overeat mm. like when you cut carbs down you're cutting a lot of calories but i i do think you're also shooting yourself in the foot when you do that because it's like then you crave them and you don't have energy and it's stressful for your body to cut carbs too low so what i recommend is Take a look and see, you know, if you're having a little bit too much sweet stuff. Like I eat dessert every day, but it's not like a huge portion. Mm. Take a look and see if most of your carbs, the, your carbs are predominantly refined. But also, you know, take a look at your alcohol consumption. Yeah, I think that's, that's always the, <laughs> yeah, those empty really calories. Like yeah, it is. And, and it's also women are dying, getting sick and dying in unprecedented rates from alcohol related illnesses. And I what I see as a dietitian and one who has been practicing for 24 years is a, a distinct uptick in the con, a consumption level of alcohol by women, but also a normalization of that. You know, it's mommy's juice or, you know, it's wine, wine o'clock. <laughs> you know, even on my Peloton, there's a hashtag, you know, pedals for wine or pillow for wine or whatever. And it's like, it, that's not funny. That's, it's harmful. And, you know, that's, and I see a lot of women who want to lose weight, but then they drink a lot of alcohol um, each night. And it's, and it's, it's, I don't even care like about weight. It's like very harmful for your health overall I mean it really does kind of if you are trying to do that calorie restriction it's yeah. it can, you can really sabotage yourself not not just with the calories but I think just even then having that that 
something to drink makes you more likely to to snack to be sort of lethargic the next day and to kind of crave sugar and to not sleep well so it's a whole exactly it creates this perfect storm and the thing about alcohol is that nobody needs it you don't really need it like to survive unlike food you know and so i would say to any of your listeners if you think you drink too much which is more than one or two a day i would say please look into getting help um, you may not think you have a problem, which is, and maybe you don't, but please look into cutting down. If you find that hard, get help because it, I really do see this as a distinct problem right now with women. And does it also have a sort of an inflammatory response yeah. in the body? It's just not, not a good thing, like ever. Like there's zero, as the Canadian government says, there is zero amount of alcohol that's safe. In terms of uh, so the other inflammation or inflammatory foods is another yeah. thing that seems we're hearing a lot about. Is that a real thing? Is there such a thing as an inflammatory food? Just an inflammatory opinion. Yeah, you know what? Um, it, that's a great question. I, we think there are. Nutrition science is so often so bad because you can't keep people in a lab and feed them a prescribed <laughs> diet for years and years and then see the outcome. But we believe that, yes, like refined um, carbohydrates, a diet high in refined carbohydrates, a diet um, high in sugars, any sugar except for maybe fruit sugar, hydrogenated fats, um, saturated fats. Yes, saturated fats are still on the you know, not so great for you list, despite what the carnivores say. But yeah, so those and just a diet high in refined foods, or ultra processed foods appears to have an effect an inflammatory effect on our bodies. Inflammation itself is normal for us, we would die if we didn't have inflammation. However, we're talking now about chronic inflammation and and how it's mediated by diet. And yes, we do think that those foods or components of foods do cause that. Just kind of following on from you were talking about sort of saturated fats. So I think sort of fats and oils are another area that that can be super confusing. I think the whole seed oils are gonna be coming for us. (laughs) Argument. And yeah, which some people very are very, very passionate about. Very, yes. But yes, what, what's what's the uh, the truth as we know it in terms of... So the truth as we know it is that seed oils may be anti-inflammatory, not inflammatory. I think there's a difference between someone saying seed oils are inflammatory and the di- a diet that's heavy in seed oils is inflammatory. Mm. Nobody eats seed oils in isolation. What do we find? What foods do we find seed oils most in? We find them... A lot in ultra processed food. So people. So we're demonizing the wrong thing. (laughs) Right. You know, and I think this is the problem is that people tend to want to pick one ingredient um, or another, like saturated fat or like sugar or, you know, X is inflammatory or whatever. And it's not about that. It's about the totality of your diet. Yeah. You know, I eat ice cream almost every day. I'm fine. And, and I don't, I don't, I tell my clients they can have something sweet every day, but I expect that their diet looks a certain way, right? Most days, not every day, but most days, lots of minimally processed food or unprocessed food, you know, whole grains, all of that stuff, healthy proteins, um, healthy fats, lots of plants, tons of plants. 
you know, and it just, if people have this very, like, they don't have a global view of diets. They want to pick on like little ingredients and that's not really how these things work. Mm. Well, and it's not how we eat generally. No, we might, we no. might have a sort of a, the shift be tipping the balance a little bit too far in the, in the favor of a certain thing, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about eggs because I really like eggs. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm about to shoot a reel on the medical medium saying that eggs grow viruses. There's no, <laughs> let's just get this out of the way. There is no evidence to show that eggs are harmful for the hum- to the human body, that they breed viruses or whatever in the human body. However, eggs are a great source of protein. They're inexpensive. And right now there's people who are struggling to put food on the table. So don't you dare like say that eggs do this and do that when there's no evidence behind it. They're a healthy source of protein. They have nutrients in them that are great for the body, like lutein, choline. And honestly, in terms of the cholesterol, like when I first graduated from nutrition school all those years ago, we used to think that dietary cholesterol impacts our blood cholesterol. So people would say, well, you can't eat more than three eggs a week. But now we know that it likely doesn't. And that, you know, if you're a normal, healthy person, you can probably eat at least an egg a day and with no sort of bad of course there's hyper metabolizers we're not talking about those people but most normal healthy people can eat at least one egg a day without any consequence to their health okay oh so so i should be spreading my eggs out a bit more because i I do like to have a two eggs scrambled so maybe not every day it's fine like i always say you know what like if you're there's nothing wrong with eggs two at a time three at a time but look at the uh, the because t- they still do have saturated fat. So mm. are you eating eggs instead of meat? Are you eating eggs instead of do, does your diet have like a lot of saturated fat in it? Are you eating a ton of bacon and sausage and all of that kind of stuff? If you're not, then it should be fine. Like again, the totality of your diet is what matters the most here. And you know, if you love your eggs, then keep eating them. You mentioned cholesterol, and I think that's another one that that yeah. people find a little kind of confusing and difficult to sometimes to get on top of. Also, our cholesterol levels do rise, don't they? Sort of post menopause, yes. just that yes, change in our metabolism. Yes, cholesterol levels do rise in response to menopause, with in response to the hormonal changes that we have during menopause and during perimenopause. So, what I would recommend is that people increase the fiber in their diet fiber is like I know it's not sexy but it's honestly, it has a really bad PR kind of totally <laughs> needs a new PR company so do prune <laughs> because both of those things are awesome but fiber is like the miracle nutrient you're not eating and don't quote me on that because it sounds like Dr. Oz, something Dr. Oz would, Oz would say but honestly it does so much for our health and people don't eat enough of it like you need 25 to 30 grams of fiber a day, at least. And, and probably most of us aren't, aren't hitting that. Oh, no, like maybe five, <laughs> 10, you know, grams a day. But if you eat a lot of plants, because people always say, well, how am I supposed to get that for through supplements? And I say to them, if you eat, it's possible, definitely possible to get that much fiber through your diet, but you have to put some effort into it. So lots of legumes, beans and lentils, I think you guys call them pulses, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So pulses are amazing. Not only are they protein, protein packed, they're also packed with fiber and they're like a healthy source of carbs. Amazing. Tons of plants, tons of fibrous veggies, like broccoli, leafy greens, all of that stuff. I'm feeling help. very smug because I made lentil soup and I've had broccoli today. So Amazing, amazing, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Fruits, like especially berries and, and stone fruits, like pears, peaches, plums. I mean, it's not exactly the the time of year for those no. but yeah but frozen and frozen berries are, are fine yeah, right amazing amazing and all of that can contribute a significant amount of fiber nuts seeds avocados all of that has have has fiber in it um and that is one thing that i recommend for cholesterol again like moving your body as as much as you can in whatever way that you can decreasing your total intake of saturated fats, watching for trans fats, which shouldn't be in the food system, kind of still are in um, the form of hydrogenated oils. And yeah, I mean, just like focusing on eating as many whole foods as you can. And I hate, I, I actually feel like kind of uncomfortable giving that recommendation now because I know people are struggling to feed themselves and their families. And, you know, whole foods can be expensive. So I want to qualify that by saying that frozen and canned whole foods are fine as well. I know like canned vegetables have a bad rap, but honestly, that's, they're great. Just rinse them off and cook them up. Um, Frozen, just as good or sometimes better than fresh. So yeah, do what you, and do what you can. I'm not sitting here saying everything has to be organic. That's probably your next question because I think organic <laughs> is just a marketing ploy. I never buy organic food for my family. I have two daughters and a husband and none of them get organic food. I just think it's, there's never been, it's just, I'm not convinced. Mm. It's well, just in terms of there's no, you're, you're essentially, you're, you're paying, well, are, are you paying for them to be chemical free because they're not necessarily they're not completely... Free. They're yeah. not, and and I just not convinced that they they improve lifespan or um, disease risk at all. Like, and this is the problem is that like there's a lot of people online saying, you know, I, I have a, a reel on my Instagram of one woman saying, if you can't find organic berries, don't eat them. Well, why are you convincing people that what you know conventionally grown food is poison? Now they're going to eat even less you know, fruits and vegetables. And we already have a problem. Only one in 10 people eat enough fruits and vegetables. Mm, really? Yeah. So, you know, I'm saying, I say to people, buy what you can afford. You don't need to buy organic. There's the research behind it, you know, at the end of the day, having a clinically relevant effect on your health is not convincing. Mm. So, Beware of people in supermarket aisles. Oh, picking on a particular (laughs) unpronounceable ingredient or a a, yeah or trying to sell you something (laughs) yeah it's awful they're everywhere Mm. and people were people making extreme statements like that this is toxic this is poison sugar's poison don't eat berry don't eat x if they're not organic that is just a dead giveaway for a red flag person who you should not be getting your nutrition or health information from but they do get i mean huge numbers of of clicks don't they absolutely it's disgusting but you know like what can you do i'm just trying to take them down one by one (laughs) (laughs) one myth bust at a time if you could kind of reach into the internet and grab 
just one of them what what do you think is is the most kind of harmful misinformation that is is kind of being bandied around out there at the moment you know what the most harmful one is is that you can cure cancer with your diet that one mm. really makes me angry i've fought with a lot of people online um just the idea that you know, if you flip that around, it's kind of insinuates that people who have cancer are responsible mm. for the disease. My father was a surgeon, he died of metastatic cholangiocarcinoma, which is like cancer of the gallbladder. He absolutely not was not responsible for his disease. Like I yeah. take that very personally, you're but I'm trying not, hard enough. To yeah, like, not, it was your fault because you didn't eat a raw keto diet. Like that's disgusting. And it's also convincing people that they shouldn't take conventional treatments. Research, there's research about this that shows that people who reject conventional cancer treatments in favor of an alternative treatment, I'm talking not talking complementary treatments, which are done alongside conventional treatments. I'm talking about instead of chemotherapy, they're doing an alternative treatment, they're four times likely to die from their wow. disease. Yeah. But then there's people out here, they're like saying that and I just can't, I can't stand for that. Like I, every time I see it, I bite because I just, it's, it's personal, but it's also a professional, just disgust with these people. So the, on the flip side, then what for people who, who are just kind of starting out thinking about trying to kind of make some positive lifestyle changes around kind of perimenopause and, and kind of really set themselves up well because we know how impactful looking at lifestyle can be what would be the top three things fiber you've already mentioned so yeah, is that still, that's your number, number one <laughs> i would say please take a step away from the diets because mm. you know starving yourself it never ends well has it ever ended well for you probably not it's not about to end well anytime soon so add food back into your diet do not take food away do not listen to people who say that, you know, you need to fast or, or stop eating gluten or dairy. All of that is total garbage. But just like step away from that diet mindset. I do have a mm. course that I um, run for women over 40. And it talks all about this, teaches women how to make friends with food, changes the relationship with food, all of that. So you never diet again. It's on my website. You can sign up. But that diet behavior is the single most predictor for future weight gain. Mm. Like we've got so much else going on that's that's I know, we're like trying to navigate. Why make it harder for yourself? Yeah, like why, and then the third one is moving your body. And I know there's people with different levels of ability out there and I honor that. So, you know, whatever you can do is you do not have to go to the gym and like start running. That's crazy. Just being active. Research shows that aside from intentional activity, like intentional exercise, non-exercise activity thermogenesis or otherwise known as the movements in our daily life that are not exercise are way more impactful way more impactful than intentional exercise on our health and our weight so I teach my class improve your NEAT mm. your non-exercise activity thermogenesis move around when you're on a meeting or walk to the store to get your coffee or just like the little things go into your garden and dig up some bulbs or whatever that makes way more difference than intentional exercise and slogging away at the gym which is like what I did for ages and never was satisfied <laughs> yeah we're not, we're not designed to be sedentary 
things, are we? We're not no. designed to be sitting at desks and on chairs for Absolutely eight not. hours a day. You're right. Well, I think that's a really, really fantastic place to finish. Abby, thank you so much for coming and talk to us today. Um, you've already mentioned your website, but give, give it another plug. It's <laughs> abbylangernutrition.com. Um, my Instagram is at Langer Nutrition. Um, my book is Good Food, Bad Diet. My course is Eating After 40, and you can find that on my website. Great. Well, I'll put links in, in the show notes. And I would definitely recommend if you're not already following Abby on Instagram, do it and, and you will never get bad nutrition advice again or at least you won't fall for anyone else's because she's out there debunking them so thank you very much for all of the great work that you're doing there and making sure that yeah we we can get really really good scientific proven <laughs> evidence-based advice yes you're welcome. so yeah lovely chatting to you thank you abby thank you you've been listening to the middling along podcast do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live and why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well i do hope you enjoyed listening today if you did i'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed hope you can join us next time goodbye for now